Well, grace to you, everyone. Uh, thanks for rejoining us. We had a brief break last week because of our guest speaker, um, our beloved missionary couple, Brian and Shirley Douglas, were with us with their son, Jared. Um, we had a great time connecting with him, hearing from God's Word, getting an update on what God's doing in Southeast Malaysia. Fantastic. But it is so good to be back and uh, ready for our next installment. And installment of what? Habits of Grace. Habits of Grace. Why? Because I think we could still get away by saying Happy New Year. I mean, it's only the 30th of January. We're four weeks into the first year, so that's okay. And it's that time of year where we're looking at doing new things, starting over, I guess, because deep inside of us there is a desire to change. Amen? There is a desire to change. And how are we going to change? We're going to change by going back to the operating manual, the Word of God. That's where we start. That's, that's, that's who we are. It's how we're going to get things done. It's got everything we need for godliness and good works and righteousness. Amen. So that's our source document. And I just want to nitpick on it since we're on the subject of change. Uh, and this infamous passage in Romans chapter 12 <laughs> has this for a wonderful reminder. How are we going to change? We're going to change by committing our bodies to the Lord. That's how we're going to change. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I mean, what everything we do for the Lord is through this vessel, through this body. So commit this body to the Lord, all right, as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So that's where we start. It's if we want change mentally, if we want change financially, if we want change relationally, socially, spiritually, we've got to clean the body. Clean the body. And we've got to take care of this body, right? This temple. Then what else? Verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I'd say, commit your mind to the Lord. We've got to commit it to God. We want change this year. Get the mind geared to God, less geared to others, and to actually do what Jesus says when he says, follow me, follow me. Stop following others and you follow me. I mean, let's humble ourselves and follow the Lord, commit our mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. That's changed right there. That's life and life abundant. Amen. And that's what I want more of for myself. That's what I want more of for you. That's what our church, when the church is doing this in the reign of grace, friends, we couldn't be more alive. We couldn't be more close to bringing the kingdom of God to this earth. But we're not done because the third verse picks on what we're going to sit on this morning uh, as we look at the third habit of grace, which is fellowship. Listen to this, Romans 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, that's a community, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you, that's community. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to the others. It goes, it goes on a bit, but just safe to say at this point, that as we commit our bodies to the Lord, commit our minds to the Lord, we must be committed to each other. Hmm? You want change this year? I want change. We want deep, 
lasting change. You want to make these habits new. It's going to take other people to get this done. It's not going to be done in your own strength. We don't have the energy. We don't have it. And I think we're far better off admitting that. We can't bring the change we want. We have no capacity, no energy. The Word of God tells us, well, the, the Lord has the energy. Commit your body to the Lord. Commit your mind to the Lord and commit yourself to others. There's the power. There's the capacity. There's the energy for the change that you want. Without others, without God, there's, there's no change. And you know, it goes on in Romans chapter 12 to talk about love. I mean, isn't love the, capital T, that's the power. Love changes things. Amen? Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I mean, it's just packed in there like a vitamin. So may God help us this 2022 as we commit our bodies, commit our minds, and commit to one another in love. Not recommit. And may we experience the transformational power of the Holy Spirit, His sanctification, and His new life in us every day. Now, we're in a great place today, friends. We're in a great place. And I, I, if you're in church with the Bible on your lap, that is a great place to be. Why? Because Jesus says, He prayed in John 17, 17, Lord, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. You couldn't be closer to the power that's going to change your life. Amen? You couldn't be nearer. It's a great place to be. Right, today we're going to talk about fellowship. Um, that is a habit of grace that we will be considering today. And it's a word that refers to our shared life in Christ, but also a, a living out the Christian life in community. That's what we mean by fellowship. In other words, you and I are not in this alone. None of us are in this alone. Our Christian faith has a vertical dimension, you and God, yes. But it also has a horizontal dimension, you and others. You and your brothers and sisters. Alright? Perfect picture of the cross. Reconciled to God, reconciled to others. That's what Jesus does for us. And the passage that we'll be orbiting around today is Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3 verses 1 to 14. And I'm going to read it to us now. Hebrews 3, 1 to 14. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus whom we acknowledge as our Apostle and High Priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed Him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of great honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house was greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. And we are His house, if indeed we hold firmly to the confidence and the hope in which we glory. So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion, during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for forty years they saw that I did. 
That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my way. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. And just so far, may God bless the reading of His Word to us today. Now, you know, we're going to talk about fellowship in a very practical level, a very specific way, although it has a, a nuance and although fellowship can be abstract. It is both these things, but I want to get practical today. But to understand what this particular passage is meaning and its intent for us, Right? For it to really have an impact in our hearts, we have to get the backstory. Where is this verse coming from? What's its intent? What's its goal? All right? So, the context of Hebrews chapter 3 is Hebrews itself. And as Hebrews, the name suggests, it's written to mainly Jewish believers. And these Jewish believers at this time are facing incredible hardship and great tribulation. And because of the hardship, and the tribulation, many are turning away, right? They cannot and are not holding on to this, although very peculiar faith, this very unrecognized religion. Um, and they're tempted to turn back from following Jesus and return to Judaism, which was the more common, you know, culturally accepted religion of the world. So, and there are indications in this book of Hebrews that they are experiencing incredible hardship, economically, public reproach, okay, it's, it's persecution. In other words, they are feeling it, they are feeling it, and they are tempted to, to draw back. So it's, it's a hostile context. We don't know who the author is, um, but the author, his intent is very clear. His purpose is very clear, and that is to encourage them, to help them persevere. All right. And how does he do that? How does he help them persevere? Right. By reminding them of who Jesus is and what he has accomplished. We've spoken about this in the week, two weeks before, about the importance of keeping the correct mindset of who God is and how incredibly powerful it is and he's doing the same thing this author showing them who Jesus is and what he has accomplished and we read it a bit in our passage this morning he tells them that Jesus what well, in other passages in Hebrews he's told them Jesus is better than angels and in our passage he is better than Moses okay as wonderful as they are as wonderful as Moses is Jesus is better. He goes on about the temple and Jesus being better than the temple, better than the priesthood, better than sacrifices. Okay, Jesus is the, capital T, fulfillment of the Old Testament and all its promises. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. And salvation is found in this Jesus. Knowing this Jesus is the greatest joy anyone could possibly know. All right? So the book of Hebrews is packed it is a great window into the fullness of your salvation. 
and what we have in Jesus. Okay, And as great and glorious and powerful as that is, being a Christian also is not all sweetness and roses. And so the book of Hebrews also contains some warnings. There are warnings sprinkled through the whole book. You know, not to turn away from Jesus. You turn away from Jesus, that would be turning away from God. Turn away from God, lose everything. Lose everything with significance. So regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in, we must follow Him. Now, what we have just read, what we have just read, the author is warning Okay, and that's the context. And just as true as it was for them, it is just as true for us today. This is a word for us on the 30th of January 2022. Let's take this to heart, okay? Because there is the same danger. It's the same. It's not identical, but it is the same. It runs parallel. All right. If we put it in a positive way, as I just mentioned, the book of Hebrews is about perseverance. It's about patience and continuing in the faith, continuing in what we believe, continuing faithfully for the Lord, right? But if you put it negatively, there is a danger. And the danger is real. It's called apostasy. Okay, apostasy, and it's an old word. It's not a very common word, but it comes out of that Greek verb in Hebrews 12 verse 3, apostanai which means to fall away from the faith. This is the risk of falling, of not having fellowship. Miss Christian fellowship, you fall away from the faith. You are going astray. You're turning away from the faith. Its direction it leads to a stopping in believing, in living for Him. And having Christian fellowship mitigates that danger. And the way this danger is presented to us in this passage is very important for us. So he wants to be clear. He wants to be clear to them that this apostasy thing, what, what is it? What is apostasy? All right, It's not a, 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 a beloved Christian who's had a bad day. Right? A weak believer having a bad day. A momentary lapse. That's not what he's talking about. He describes apostasy to the right to the Hebrews, and he points back to to Israel's time when they, you know, they've come out of Egypt. There's been a miraculous deliverance, miracles, the plagues, Exodus, the Red Sea. It's miraculous, wonderful. You'd think the next thing is the Promised Land, but we know the narrative. What's in between the Promised Land and the miraculous? There's a 40-year period before the promised land. And those 40 years were not good. So the author of Hebrews refers to Psalm 95, which is David's poetic uh, take of this period. And he says, that generation, that generation is mostly characterized by... Hmm? How is it character? Stubborn, resistant, apostasy. It, they, they're mostly characterized by a willful, 
walking away from God, a hardening of the heart. And that's much more than just having a bad day. Okay? So as he, as the author highlights what apostasy is, this is what it is. It's that continual rebelling, complaining, and arguing and provoking God. That's what it is. And that danger is is the same danger to the people he's writing to. And it's the same for us, friends. So we must know there's a difference between a weak believer with doubts and struggles and failures who continues to trust the Lord, all right, and someone who is stubborn with a rebellious heart. Now, and thankfully, the Lord knows the difference between the two. He knows the difference between We know that the Lord is merciful and a faithful high priest. Hebrews chapter 2. We know Hebrews chapter 3. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. We are invited to approach the throne of grace for mercy and confidence. The Lord says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, right? Uh, it's, he, he's described prophetically, the one who will not break a bruised reed. He, uh, he, he will not quench a smoking flax. This is our Lord. But what we have here in Hebrews is not that. What we have here in Hebrews is a people whose hearts are in rebellion and they put God to the test and they provoked God for 40 years. 40 years of provoking. I mean, who can handle 40 seconds of being provoked? (laughs) It's a great testimony to God's forbearance. But he had a limit. Right? Verse 11. They shall never enter my rest. There was a limit. So verse 10. I was angry with that generation. Why? Their hearts are always going astray. And they have not known my ways. And there's a limit. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. So there's an appeal in verse 12. See to it, brothers. Okay? See to it, brothers. That none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. That's a reality for all of us to take to heart. That there is a possibility. It is and can happen. Because there is such a thing as falling away. An apostasy. Which can only mean death. And nothing could be more serious than this. This is more serious than what job you're going to do next. More serious than your marriage. More serious than your health. Right? More serious than whether you get COVID or not. Nothing compares to this important. This is about your eternal destiny. What did Jesus say? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So think about this. Think about this next time you you, you covet the lifestyles of others. The rich, the famous, the beautiful. Nothing is more important than your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The danger of apostasy and, and remember, this letter is written to believers. This is real. And let's not think that we're immune to it. That's why these warnings are given. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Let's take that to heart, friends. At the beginning of 2022. These habits of grace are not just something to do, not something to fill our program with. These things are to mitigate a falling away, a hardening of the heart, 
Now, sometimes when we talk about things like this, like fellowship, other people's faces and names may come to mind. But I want you to apply this to yourself. Because, friends, we are always, we're always on a slippery ground when we try to evaluate the spiritual condition of others. That's the fact. We simply cannot know for sure the full and final outcome of a person's spiritual destiny. Amen? We can make assumptions. I mean, we all know people who seem to be wonderful Christians, and now, what can we say? It doesn't look good. So what do we do? Those people we knew were wonderful Christians, and now it doesn't look good? You say, and I will pray. And I will pray. Okay, but... Even as we talk about fellowship and, the, and people who come to mind who are not fellowshipping with us anymore, but those names and faces may come to mind. But I want you to first and foremost think about yourself and your heart. All right? All right. So as we, as we consider this beast of apostasy, there are three things I want you to take home. Three things. And they're all in the passage before us. Number one. To mitigate the real, the real threat of falling away from your faith. I mean, no one, we don't want anyone to find themselves in this reality, right? First thing you do, very simple, consider Jesus. That's it. Because it says in verse 1, look at chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, here it is, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as the Apostle and High Priest. And the last verse of our reading, verse 14, we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold with our original conviction firmly to the very end. They both are saying what? You Consider Jesus. You never stop considering Jesus. That's what you do. So, I mean, how can Jesus help us avoid the danger of falling away? How? Now, there's a lot in this letter about the life of Jesus, and it's all geared towards a saving work. He saves us to the uttermost, all who come to Him. Everyone who comes to God through Him. He, he, he forever lives to make intercession for them. He is geared for our rescue, our deliverance, for our saving. So consider Him. And He's described as the Apostle, uh, the, the one who is sent from God to show us the way to God. He is the High Priest. All right? And the High Priest is both merciful and faithful. That means He is reliable. He can be counted on. He's always going to be there. He sits on the throne of grace and invites us to come before His mercy. So He's forgiving. He's not condemning. But we must come to Him. We must consider Him. The chapter before our reading today, in chapter 2, verse 10, he is called the founder of our salvation. Hmm? He's the founder of our salvation. The apostle, the high priest, the founder. Consider him. He's the captain, the leader, the pioneer, the author. All right? And he's like the lead climber. Right? He's like a lead climber. And everyone, and the rope coming from him, we're all attached to him. He's the lead climber. And we can't fail 
We can't fail because we're attached to him. And he's already at the summit, which means we're going to get to the summit. And if we fall, we can't fall too far because we are roped to him. And he is most secure. Therefore, we are secure. So when we put this all together, there is a wonderful picture that emerges of a very active Jesus whose goal is to get us over the finish line. But our part is to consider him, to ponder him, think about him, study him, consider him, his nature, his work, his mission, his calling, his person. The Christian should always be making study of him, his life, his work, his truth. He's the one who saved us. There's great benefit in you considering him. Don't stop considering him. Hmm? And you'll mitigate this apostasy. Secondly, back to our text, um, and specifically in verses 12 and 13, it says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sins deceitfulness. Can you see the, the significance of fellowship in the as an answer to the warning? Right? There's the warning. See to it that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart and turns away from the living God. And the antidote to that is encourage one another daily. There's the antidote. To mitigate this apostasy, to to mitigate this hardening of heart, there is fellowship. But we must acknowledge there is a reality of hardening of heart. In fact, from chapter 3, verses 1 to 15, the hardening of heart is mentioned five times. Verse 8, do not harden your heart. Verse 10, their hearts are always going astray. Verse 12, unbelieving heart. Verse 13, hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Verse 15, do not harden your hearts. Okay, so that's explicitly clear. And what is, I mean, we know the heart. The heart, generally, biblically speaking, means it's, it's, it's the core of the person. If you have the heart, you have the person. Where the person is, that's where his heart is. The heart is the one driving the car. The heart directs the body. And that's why we must be diligent to guard the heart. Because out of it comes all the issues of life. That's why we must trust the Lord with all your heart. Not lean on your own understanding. Now, this will not be easy. It will not be easy, but through the difficulty, through the difficulty, <laughs> through the perseverance and the patience, that's how we enter the kingdom of God. If you turn back, you turn away, your heart will go cold, it will go hard. It will become insensitive to the love of God and the truth of God. Because something else has captured the heart and the soul. And a heart that is in that condition only just turns in on itself. You're not loving God. You're not loving your neighbor. You're loving yourself. And you become drawn away from others. This hardness of heart, it's a, it's a consequence of sin. But there's another aspect of sin that we must consider here. And what hardens the heart is, is captured in verse 13 by sin's deceitfulness. It's an aspect of sin. Sin, and it, that's a big topic on its own, but one facet of sin is that it is misleading. 
In other words, it promises much. It promises much. It promises fulfillment. But when you bite it, you have a mouthful of hooks. Cast your mind back to the Garden of Eden. The New Testament tells us Eve was deceived and she was fooled into thinking that taking the piece of fruit that looked so good, she would be fulfilled. She would be like God, knowing good from evil. Yes? No. She took it and it all turned on her. And that's every man's condition. So the reality of a hardened heart is a reality for every believer. Friends, let's take this to heart. You keep clicking on what you're not supposed to be clicking. You do it. And when you do it, you're left thinking, why did I do it? You keep doing that and your heart will become hardened and yourself deceived. Culture tells you it's okay. Maybe your friends tell you it's okay. You telling yourself it's okay, but friends, it's not. You keep clicking on what you shouldn't be clicking. Your heart becomes hard and you soon find yourself deceived. You're deceived because you think it's okay, but it's not. What you're actually doing is walking further and further into the trap of the enemy. And unless God grants you the gift of repentance, you are taken captive by the devil to do his will. So consider Jesus. Understand it, the reality of the hardness of heart. We have both things at hand. Okay, and here's the punch for today. It's the habit of grace when we come to fellowship. Because there it is, verse 13. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Okay. Yes, you need Jesus. We all understand that. All right? We have Jesus, but you will also need the Jesus in your brother and sister. The Bible says it right there. And when we, I could go on about the benefits of fellowship. I mean, there are many benefits to fellowship. There's encouragement, admonishment, the blessings, the joys, the, the qualities of community, you know. Uh, uh, weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice, all that good stuff. But in, from this text, in this context, it is very clear that your fellowship or lack of, right, can either mitigate apostasy or expedite it. So the stakes are very high. So it's not about whether you have enough Christian friends or not. It's not an option. It's not an option. <laughs> Having fellowship is not an extra option. It is a necessity. And in fact, the word tells us daily. Daily we need this Christian fellowship to be taking place. We, daily we need this fellowship. I mean, and the nuance of fellowship is, is big. Admonishment, fellowship, encouragement, all those things. It's like a coach with a team, you know. Um, a coach will, will treat his athletes differently. Some, depending on the, the nature of the relationship and the length of the relationship and the performance of the athlete and whatever, all right, that he can take on that athlete directly. He can be hard on that athlete. Speak to him truthfully. All right, and they respond. But to another athlete, he, he can't because it might crush that person. So another p 
person, he might need a gentle encouragement. And that's all that's needed. You know, just speak one word and boom, they're triggered, they're on. So there's a lot to this word fellowship. But friends, in order to mitigate apostasy, yes, we have Jesus. Yes, we understand the hardness of heart as a reality. But yes, we need each other. You need to be actively creating spaces, making time, and getting close with other Christian brothers and sisters. We need communication with one another. We need that. Why do we need that? We need that because there's a, a borrowed illustration here. Did you know that no one has ever seen their face? That's right. No one has ever seen their own face. They may have seen it virtually. And uh, in my case, if I look down, the only thing I see of my face is my nose. (laughs) But no one has seen their face. So how do we see it? We need others. They see our face. Okay. I need other people to help me see me. Now, yes, God's word is a mirror to us if we hear it and do it. All right. But others are also like mirrors that help us see us. I want to quote from Paul Tripp. He says, I need more than just the Bible as a mirror. I need you to hold the mirror of God's word to me because I'm prone to misinterpret and misunderstand the word of God. We have our own interpretations of scripture and what's going on. What we find in fellowship is that those get adjusted a little bit. And this is, couldn't be more true than today. I found that through COVID, right, even through COVID, not all Christians see the way I do. That not all Christians see things the way I do. Um, what are we going to do? You and I are going to take the time to listen and engage. And they might get a little bit adjusted and may get and you may get a little bit adjusted. Together moving a little closer to the truth. I mean all that to say as we share our lives together we find ourselves coming a little closer to Jesus and that is a benefit for everyone so regardless of their opinions regardless of their personalities regardless of their cultures right or what they know what they don't know what they've experienced what they haven't experienced the bible tells us that we are to encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that here's the warning none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness so fellowship is not an option. It is a command. And if you don't heed it, you are a fool. A fellowship is the key to perseverance. It's the key from falling off of your faith. We need each other. And we're not here by chance. Friends, people, the people you are with here at ABC, it's not by chance. We have a sovereign God who's placed us perfectly. That person that you don't know or you don't agree with is perfectly placed to bring out the image of Jesus in your life. Now, I'm, I'm so grateful when church members share their lives with one another. They're in relationship with one another. 
And it's great when we have these atmospheres conducive to this fellowship. Sunday morning services, care groups, small groups, ministry groups, all of those are atmospheres conducive to, to bring about good fellowship. Okay? They don't guarantee it, but they, they make it conducive. It's a good context. But it's up to you, friends. What is 2022 going to look like? Are you going to participate? Are you going to join in with your heart? Hmm? With others? If you're not in any kind of small group, Bible study, tea group, flower group, music group, door group, maintenance group, uh, admin group, what, what group are you in with the church? Evangelism group, mission group, Sunday school group, youth group. Get into it. Get into it. So just some practical thoughts as we close. And I'm closing with a reading from Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, that's it, consider Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Hallelujah. Right? Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. So yes, there again, we are to consider Jesus. Verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, Let us consider that. Would you consider that this year? And in the context that that was written, it was written in a dangerous context. When Christians, I mean, when they gathered, there was trouble. And if we did gather, you risk getting into trouble. Right? But some have gotten into the habit even when there was no trouble, that they wouldn't even gather. And the same said for us, even in our COVID situation. I mean, you know, I want to suggest that if some cannot come to church, they cannot and some should not come. But there are others. There are others not coming, not because of any health reasons, but just because of convenience or just because it's a habit. But fellowship, coming together when possible, is something that shouldn't be neglected. So I want to suggest to those who could and choose not to come, to look at your heart and say, do you want to gather with your brothers and sisters? Do you want to be a means of encouragement and blessing to them? I want you to encourage you to consult your heart. Be honest. Do you want to? And if your answer is no, I don't want to then, I want you then to have some hard work. You've got to ask yourself, could my heart be becoming hard? Then you take that to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. Talk to the Lord about it. Then you go talk to another Christian about it. But engage it. Would you engage it? Don't pretend it doesn't exist. Don't try and ignore it this year. You take it by the horns. 
You've been honest before God, you've been honest before others, you take it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I don't want to have fellowship and this is why. Let's start dealing with that. Start dealing with that. Of course God is going to make that path straight. Of course God is going to bring provision for that because He is our high priest. He is our apostle. He is the one who is actively engaged in making sure His mission is accomplished in you. Amen? Right. But understand that. You not tackling that issue, you ignoring that issue, you sort of suppressing it or denying its, its truth, friend, that the stakes are very high. The stakes are very high. And Jesus is inviting all of us to approach the throne of grace so that today your hearts are not hardened. Let's pray. Father God, would you do a dynamic work again in our hearts? Would you, for those who are tired, for those who are in the habit of not coming, for those who have whatever reason for not gathering, Maybe it's past hurt. Maybe it's past experience. Maybe it's weak tiredness. I'm not too sure, Lord, what it is. Father, I just pray you would give them a fresh, a fresh view of people. Make it as if they've never met anyone. Or make it as if they're meeting them for the very first time. Take them back to that day when they first shook hands. And they first exchanged names. And they first, well, make it back to that. Give them grace. Give them power. Give them strength. Father, for those who are in fellowship, Father, open our hearts. We would be well surprised to see how many people we can fit into our little hearts. Open our hearts to others. Lord, make our love extravagant for you and for others. Make 2022 an unprecedented year in Christian fellowship. And would apostasy be snuffed would it can be completely abolished no risk the devil would have no leverage whatsoever in our lives because we are so tightly bound concerning you considering you on a daily basis and so tightly bound with our christian brothers and sisters on a daily basis he has no way in for you have made a hedge around us father thank you for your presence thank you for your comfort thank you for your grace Father, help us to consider this matter and also not to take lightly our own pride. Help us to demolish that as we humble ourselves before you. To help, help us to trust and obey you. And may we know your joy, your blessing. In your name we pray. Amen.